Welcome to the St. Richard Special Series podcast about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd with your hosts, the Reverend Kelly Jennings and Diane Dutille. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. This is something new for both Diane and myself. My name is Kelly Jennings, and I am the Assistant Rector for Family Ministry here at St. Richard's. I have been here since 2018, and I was very privileged to be able to introduce the program we're going to talk with you all about called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So we're going to say a lot more about that in this podcast, but I'd like to have Diane Dutille introduce herself now. I am Diane Dutille, and I came to St. Richard's as my parish in 2014 when Duke and I came back from Washington, D.C., where he had served as the head verger at the National Cathedral. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that God brought both of you here, because you have both been a blessing to us at St. Richard's and to me. Well, we thought it would be important with the first podcast about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd to say briefly just what it is. CGS, or Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, is a formation program for three-year-olds, children who are three, as young as three, all the way up to 12. However, even as I say that, we here at St. Richard's are trying out a few aspects of the toddler infant toddler atrium that is fairly new in the history of the catechesis. So that's been a joy. Diane is the catechist for level one. Level one is for ages three to six. I currently am leading kind of a one-room schoolhouse for a one-room atrium for children six to 12. And when we say atrium, it means the space, the room where the formation program happens. It's an ancient word. It was used to describe the place where catechumens um, in the ancient church were prepared for baptism. So our atriums are places where we prepare the children to enjoy a deeper, a richer experience in worship and make connections between what they see and learn in the atrium and what they hear and do in worship. Let me add one thing about the atrium. It's also a very prepared space where everything Mm -hmm. in it is prepared such that it will nurture and deepen a child's faith in God, their faith relationship. Because all children are born with a relationship to God, but that has to be nurtured and given some direction, which is part of what the catechist does. Mm -hmm. And as we use the word catechist, it is different than in a traditional Sunday school class where there's a teacher imparting Mm -hmm. information. A catechist is a guide or a leader, not just teaching, but presenting something to the child that then they can take and work with and their understanding and their growth and their relationship with God is in their individual work that way. So it's respecting the child who already has a relationship with Jesus. There's a humility we bring in as catechists, right? Yes. Where we recognize that we are there also to listen to God with the child. And yes, very... and we grow as the child is, as the children are growing. Yes. In our yes. relationship as well. Very different. I will say I was a classroom teacher for 31 years and had not 
had any access to or any interest in Montessori. And this entire approach has really intrigued me and I enjoy it because it's such a different relationship with children. Well, you had come in when I first arrived here. You wanted to know more about what I was starting up, but you weren't, uh, you didn't just jump in um, 100%. You, you told me a few things when we first met. Right, because we were traveling and I didn't feel like I had the time to do all that. So I started as a support person by making some of the materials. Yeah. And then I wanted to see how the materials were being used in this setting and what was different. And then I actually started substituting. And in the atrium, the apple level atrium at that point, and it was just a wonderful experience in seeing a very different pattern and way to bring this information, to bring a chance for children to grow. Well, and you brought your gifts of um, sewing and creativity into it, which is what we what the program is is also about. Um, there's there's not necessarily. Uh, you, you don't just buy everything off of a website. In fact, we don't. When you start a program here, you, you want people's gifts in the particular parish where catechesis starts. You want those gifts to be um, valued and used. So you call upon seamstresses and carpenters to, as best as best you can, um, make these, build these materials, and it takes some time. Yes, and it also goes with the formation as well. Once I decided, yes, I wanted to do this and got involved in a summer program to for the formation of my skills and learn more about catechesis, you don't get a book with everything in it. You see the teacher, the, the catechist of the adults, present a lesson as if we were children, and then we have to write it up. So all of that what in a standard place might be called curriculum, mm -hmm. but these album pages, what guide us in our different presentations, we actually have to write up ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I came across an interesting thing, and I hadn't thought of it this way. Catechesis of the Good Shepherd offers approximately 50 presentations over a three-year period to the children of that age. So what you present, for my example in a in a level one, how I present an idea to the three-year-old is going to be different than what I do with the six-year-old that is still with me, mm -hmm. taking that presentation a little bit farther. Do we want to touch on a bit of history of the program? The history of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd goes way back to Maria Montessori, who was the first woman in Italy to get a doctorate um, she was a medical doctor, and so her scientific background and training um, matched up with her love of children and education. So uh, she really is the inception point for catechesis, although it was two women, sort of a generation newer to her in the 50s, who um, one in particular was Montessori trained, the other was a, a biblical scholar. So these two women um, picked up with Maria Montessori's vision to, I believe Maria's words were, she wanted to see her method brought to the altar. She was an, uh, a faithful Roman Catholic. And these two women, also living in Rome, they set about realizing her vision. They held to Maria Montessori's approach of observing the children. 
watching what drew them, what were their particular needs at different ages. Then they worked with different Bible stories. They lifted up the parable of the Good Shepherd, the parable of the Pearl of Great Price, the parable of the mustard seed, for example. And then they would make a few materials and see if the children were drawn to those and if they helped the child to dive a little more deeply into what they had heard from the Bible. So their method, these two women, um, Sophia and Jana are their names, their ideas, their method caught on. And today, you can go to so many other different countries and you will find atriums in those countries that will have the very same materials as we have here at St. Richard's. Um, Because over the past 70 years now, it's a living work. It's described as a living work. So materials have adapted, adjusted, but as they've done that, catechists have uh, shared those observations and adjusted things uh, uniformly. So yes. it, you, you feel that Catholicity, that, um, that, that those general things all shared by those of us in the catechesis around the world. And they also found early on that the one image the children were drawn to the most was the Good Shepherd. Mm-hmm. the person that shows love and is a protector. And so, hence, it became one of the center points is the Good Shepherd. And remember, too, that it was for the youngest child, the, what they realized, they thought that what was going to be most important was that the Good Shepherd loves them or cares for them, which comes out in the parable, of course, and it's what a lot of us adults love most about it. For the youngest child, it was that the Good Shepherd knew their name. Yes. The Good Shepherd knows their names and calls them out. But that was only realized as they interacted with the child, allowed the child to respond, draw pictures, uh, work with the material. It's, it's a, beautiful, a beautiful way. And to have the Good Shepherd at the, central, at the center is, is special for the adult, too. The, the Good Shepherd never, never leaves us as, an, as a, an important image for us in our faith. Also, when we look at how the program is developed in the Montessori way, which is a lot of independence. We present Mm -hmm. an idea, some materials. All the stories we read are straight from the Bible, so we're not changing the words or anything for the Mm -hmm. children. But then they take that and do things with it, whether it's drawing pictures or whatever. But there are things, some of the focuses and themes are like the biblical themes of the Good Shepherd, the parables, the life of Christ as seen through infancy narratives and paschal narratives, Mm -hmm. and the liturgical information. What is this altar and what are the names of these things? The information about baptism, about liturgical colors and calendar, and always a prayer area as well. So all of this is integrated, and they can go to the areas where they feel pulled that day. That's right. For Episcopalians, Roman Catholics, Lutherans, um, those who have a Eastern Orthodox, those who have a very strong liturgical tradition, this is, has been such a gift um, to those, those traditions because, like you said, Diane, they, we, we offer the child the chance to learn more about the Bible 
as well as our liturgy. So just to bring out a bit more of what you touched on, um, we have areas in the atrium, centers, for those who are familiar with uh, you know, certain kind of centers in a classroom. There's a baptism center or a baptism table. There's a model altar um, where they do not play church. Uh, it's too small to do that. And so it kind of discourages you know, playing at church. But it is a space where they can learn the nomenclature and feel, handle those articles of the Eucharist. So the chalice, the paten. So, I mean, names some that many adults would not be familiar with. Those centers that connect to the liturgy um, give the child that connection. So when they're in church, they see the priest lift the chalice up or the paten, the plate that the bread is on, and they're making the connection. The other thing I think is important to remember, although it started in the 50s in Italy, mm-hmm. it does take a while to get to the United States. Now, St. Richard's has only been doing it four years? It's about 2018 to this, about in our fifth year. Okay, we're yeah. in our fifth year, but it came to the United States in the 1970s, so it has, you know, it had, and it's grown that way, because every, every nation has a little bit of different culture mm-hmm. as far as how to implement something, mm-hmm. so it's not something uh, that's brand new. It's been tried and true in a lot of different places. And I think it was presiding Bishop Griswold in the 80s who took a special interest um, in the Episcopal Church. It was because of him. I think he met Sophia Cavaletti when she was over here giving some talks. Often it takes just one, one person to, in, a, in a position of authority and influence to uh, help the, the mustard seed grow. So I, I, I see that in the history of the catechesis in the Episcopal Church. And I think it's for people that have not been exposed to Montessori methods, a lot of the Montessori method is very hands-on and children making decisions. The catechist, there are a lot of things in the classroom, so catechists may choose to present, here's this idea, uh, let's use like uh, one of the infant narratives, like the birth of Jesus. So they read the story. They talk about that and wonder about what that all means. But then there's a diorama to bring out Mm -hmm. and read the story again Mm -hmm. in the exact same language that we use in the church. We're not Mm -hmm. changing the words just because Mm -hmm. they're children, even with three-year-old children. And then there is something they can come back to. They can get that off the shelf and think more about Jesus and Mary and this baby. Mm -hmm. So that hands-on part, that... Ability for a child to make decisions on what do I want to look at today? Mm -hmm. What am I feeling drawn? And what's my reaction? Am I going to use those figures? Am I going to draw a picture? Am I going to do some tracing? Through all of that, it's as we talk about it, it's their prayer. Everything we do in there is prayer to God. And they're taking that farther. And to be able to sit back and watch children do that. Some people have described the atrium as a retreat center for children. So we have to encourage parents not to do what you're, they might be used to doing after Sunday school and saying, oh, what did you do today? Or what did you learn about today? Or what did you draw today? Because if you put yourself in the child's shoes, if you've been blessed enough to spend some time in retreat, on a spiritual retreat, it would be a little odd for someone afterwards to say, what did you write about in your journal? Or what did you draw? Or what went on in your mind when you were on retreat? It's a, it's a deeply personal 
experience, but we know, Diane and I both, and assistants who have joined us, that children will offer their wonderings, their questions that, that come up in their time. So sometimes, often much later in the week, something will come out to a parent, and a parent will contact me and say, is there a reason why they are talking about a chalice? Or uh, what does the word parousia mean? My child keeps talking about that. And that tells me that something has gone in. Because it often is from a child that you don't think has been paying particular attention, necessarily. I realize with Diane, this is our first podcast, and so we're just sort of putting a lot of different things out there um, as, as a way of introducing you to Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Um, I was aware in preparation for this podcast that there are some joys of mine that I, I wanted to share up front. Um, and one of them related to the catechesis and what drew me in. But one thing is that it, it is, as I said, like a, a retreat center for children. It's not just for children. It's a place, an hour. I wish it were longer. And Sophia said, ideally, the children need two hours. Um, we have an hour between both services on Sunday morning, 9.15 to 10.15. But it is still just enough time for the child and the adult who have had a, a week often full of noise, full of busyness, to breathe, to rest, to, ref to hear God's word, to reflect briefly on God's word uh, using words and prayer and song, but also, of course, like Diane outlined, to reflect, to respond to God's word with art, with creativity. So while the children are doing that, if we're blessed enough to have a time when every child is engaged in some way, uh, responding to the gospel, to the good news, we have time to sometimes write down our observations. That's a great time to, uh, often it's afterwards that we write our own observations of what the children have been up to. Uh, each individual child has been up to that hour. It helps us prepare for them the next week. But if we can even set aside those observation notes and just be present to God with the children, um, that is such a gift. Sophia Cavaletti, the biblical scholar and founder of Catechesis, she describes one child who said to her, after she'd been in the atrium for a time, she said, my body is happy. And I think that encapsulates what we are wanting for each child, is for not just their mind to rejoice that the Good Shepherd knows their name and loves them, but that they feel God's peace thoroughly, through and through, in their body, and that their body can, can learn in that space to be still, to be silent, to listen for God, and, and, then, and to do beautiful things. Like Diane said, to take a material off a shelf very carefully. And they're beautiful. We have no plastic, maybe pencil sharpeners. <laughs> but there are no plastic materials. They are beautiful materials, lovingly made often, or lovingly picked out. Um, and chosen for the materials to help draw the child closer to God. So they, their bodies can be happy even as they are handling these items and drawing close to God in doing so. 
to conclude this first podcast, uh, we thought it would be helpful to share how the Holy Spirit drew each of us into this beautiful formation, this beautiful ministry for children. So Diane, would you share how you were drawn in? Once Kelly mentioned it at church, I wanted to know more. So we had a sit down meeting and she told me more about it. But I was like, well, no, I can't commit to that, but I can commit to helping. So I can sew and I made some of the materials, but then I wanted to see how those materials were being used. And then there was opportunity for me to take the place of someone one year because they had to drop out. And so I started doing more in the actual classroom. And I was a classroom teacher for 31 years. And this whole Montessori is such a different approach. Mm. It took a lot of thinking on my, I was a history teacher. So it's like teaching the story that way. Mm. So doing this is just so rewarding. And that's where I committed to take the formation class, which is like one week, two summers, um, that takes you through all of this, which is just, I couldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am if, without that. And it, is, it was a real investment of time on your part. Yes. And for anyone going through catechist training, or formation it's called, um, it is a, a serious investment in time. Yes. And it can be, to be honest, it can be a deterrent to churches. Uh, it's not a fast food Sunday school. It's not. No. It, it's worth it because good food is... <laughs> I like that analogy, yes. And it, you know, the making of the materials, like some, you know, I walked into a classroom that had some already made, but I also made some materials to go once I've been teaching and just seeing children take those figures um, Mm -hmm. and doing things with them and connecting with those, with that part of the of the scripture that way. Well, I want to articulate, just describe a few, what comes to, when you say materials, what comes to mind are, are your beautiful altar cloths that you made. So for the model altar, we, oh no, for the prayer table. For the prayer table. We have different colored uh, tablecloths to that match the colors of the liturgical seasons to help the child notice those seasons in the church. And when we change seasons... We make a big deal of it and have a mm. procession to bring in the new color. We also have small chasubles, nothing mm-hmm. that would fit over a kid's head, but a just chasuble show is, the chasuble is what? is what the priest wears. Like a big and, poncho. Like a big poncho. Mm-hmm. And so they, again, are getting those ideas. It's mm-hmm. becoming, and I think it means for those children that are sitting in church, they're seeing those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're they seeing, can even name them. They can name them. <laughs> that like with the altar. And with the altar, yes, we have the small altar. But part of that is we go in to the altar before church and say, well, okay, let's look here. Where are these real mm-hmm. things? Mm-hmm. And it's you see light bulbs going off and, and recognition. And you also see, I I have the pleasure of sitting in the choir where you can sort of look out at the, at the population of the church. Mm. And you can see the cell children sitting in church paying a little bit more of attention mm-hmm. the because ones the, the ones that have been in the atrium because it is becoming familiar mm-hmm. with to them and part of their lexicon, part of the, the words that they have are the words for those things. It's no longer a mystery. You may think that three-year-old is too small, too young to start getting that, but they catch on to mm-hmm. those kinds of things. They're ready. They're ready, They're ready to for that. so much. So really it was the materials that sort of drew you in. Yes. 
You had your, you offered that as a ministry, and then you had to see the end result, what was going to happen to those materials that exactly. you Exactly. And then I love working with children, so it just of all course. came together. Yeah. Well, thanks be to God. Well, in my case, I saw a flyer. Some, I was at seminary. This was in 1999 at Yale Divinity School. I don't know to this day who gave the presentation, but I saw that they were doing an information session on Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, uh, a form of um, a Christian formation for young children. I'd always been drawn to ministry with young children, so of course it caught my eye. And I remember the woman presenting the parable of the mustard seed and then following some some description of the program, much like we've given you. So she presented on the mustard seed and the good shepherd. I, I loved the what the style, the way she presented them with using the materials. Uh, she took her time. She was very deliberate, intentional, and gave us time to just meditate and reflect on the words. It was a bit like Lectio Divina, um, just spending time listening and pausing on God's words, on Jesus's words in those parables, right? And I was especially drawn to the anecdotes that she told of the way that children responded. Um, here we were adults responding. I'm sure I had tears running down my face. It was such a beautiful presentation. But she was also sharing. What was moving to me was hearing the shares, the the, the way that the children in her experience as a catechist had responded. And so maybe next time, uh, or in our, our future podcasts, um, we'll have more to share with you about how children have responded and, and the, the joy that that is in, in being with children as they make these discoveries and encounter the mystery. Um, really what we're present to are two mysteries. Um, we say that the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd celebrates the mystery of God and the mystery of the child. Yes. Thanks for joining me, Diane, and thank you for your ongoing ministry in partnership with me. I've been so grateful. My blessings. Thank you for tuning in. For service times or more information on St. Richard's, please visit strichards.org.